0: Hello and welcome to the EG Property Podcast and another fascinating recording from EG's jam-packed agenda out at MIPIM twenty twenty-three. This session, recorded live in the EG Pavilion, is hosted by Melanie Williams, a partner at law firm DWF, and takes a big dive into how we can create a better future for business, society, and the natural world. The recording begins with a special presentation from Christian O'Clair, coordinator of the World Urban Campaign at the UN Habitat who speaks on the work that they're doing to help businesses accelerate their development. Then it's straight into an insight-filled conversation around how important quality architecture and planning are in improving the quality of life for everyone, and how global education needs improving if we really are to achieve our goals. This is a must-listen for anyone who cares about the impact real estate
1: has on our planet. Enjoy.
0: So this is one of the g spotlight sessions um the topic is creating a better future for business society and the natural world key to that is embedding environmental responsibility into the business model Um, i'm Melanie williams i'm a real estate partner at dwf so i am often charged with advising clients on what they should be doing in terms of their green leasing clauses green construction clauses um, and taking the correct responsibilities so it's quite interesting this topic to me because it's actually about engaging uh, with the real estate sector and what we should be doing for the future. We've got an esteemed panel here with us today. We're going to start off before we actually go to formal introductions for the whole of the panel. We're very lucky to have Christina here to give us a presentation, very short presentation. Um, Christina is a coordinator of the World Urban Campaign and campaign at UN Habitat, um, and is going to just run through uh, UN Habitat and the work that they're doing at the moment. Um, in respect of how business and industry can accelerate the achievements uh, of the development goals in cities. So, Christine, if we swap places and let you do that, and we'll come back and formally introduce the panel.
2: Thank you, Melanie. Uh, many thanks. Uh, thanks to EG for organizing this session and inviting us to the panel. It's a bit unusual. We are from the United Nations. Here, we are here with the Ademipim because we work on cities. We are the UN agency working on uh, human settlements and our headquarters is in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, So I'm happy to kick off this session on the theme environment. Um, So from our perspective at UN Habitat, uh, I don't know if I'm getting it right. Yes. Uh, From our perspective at UN Habitat, We are working in 90 countries uh, in some 1,200 cities around the world. And our entry point, of course, is urbanization. Uh, Maybe we don't talk enough about this uh, at the MIPIM, but that's the mega trend currently as we speak. And that also represents vast opportunities. We are talking about 2.5 billion people more on Earth uh, in 2050. That is 55% of the global population. And cities, of course, generate tremendous value. That is 80% or more of the GDP. Uh, and however, a, um, negative externalities, that is 70 at least percent of CO2 emission to be addressed. So that's, uh, that's a big issue. So our Secretary General, you may, you may have seen him in the news, Antonio Guterres, is always saying that cities are where the climate battle will largely be won or lost. Uh, What does it mean, urbanization today? Is growing cities 2.5 billion to 2050? That is at least 1 billion housing units to be built. That's massive. And that's not only to be built, but also we don't take into account to replace... Uh, the aging stock of housing. However, so tremendous opportunity for the real estate but a large set of environmental and financial constraints uh, that impact the value, the location, design of real estate activity. So the real estate has to be extremely innovative uh, and they are to address the consumer demands face higher insurance premiums, stricter building codes, renewable energy sources, water-efficient technology. So so that's a lot. Um, But at the end of the day, cities will always remain fundamentally places of innovation that generate value, and that value needs to continue with the innovation. So... For the UN, from a UN perspective, we see also cities are places of acceleration. As you know, the member states have committed to the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals to 2030s, and we are are not likely to reach those goals. We have, you know, a lot of delays because of COVID, multiple crises, the triple C crisis, as we say. So, but for us, we see cities are places of acceleration where we can accelerate the implementation of of the SDGs. And we're saying, you know, we need to at least work in 1,000 cities around the world to improve one billion lives by 2050. So this is our objective as an agency. And we have that platform to bring together partners around this focus. So here we have uh, in this panel uh, people who represent uh, also partnerships, uh, real estate, the Real Estate Federation, the Royal Town Planning Institute, and we have a lot of partners at the MIPIM. We had a session two days ago, and we are starting to engage private sector companies like Arcadis has been with us for the last 15 years. Uh, you know, but there are a lot of opportunities to work together. We work in 90 cities on the ground, on urban transformation, with government and, and uh, many, many partners. So you can join that campaign to address all these sectors. So we work on housing, mobility, energy. Reconstruction is a big deal at the moment uh, with all the disasters around the world. Uh, Planning, uh, digital transformation, urban regeneration. So these are all sectors you work on. And housing is, of course, a key priority at the moment. Focusing on affordability, sustainability, inclusiveness, Second, climate action, uh, decarbonisation of construction, infrastructure and services and addressing urban crisis. In, in the last 20 years, we had 7,400 disasters. That's uh, almost twice the last the 20 years uh, period of before and that's almost $3 trillion cost uh, for the world. So I think we need to be resilient uh, is clearly a priority for UN Habitat and working with the private sector the real estate is essential. So at the same time, we cannot lose track of the quality planning and architecture and that's why we have the Royal Town Planning Institute here in the room. But we are working with architect planners to create dynamic communities to influence the way we design and produce space to generate higher value. Because we have to understand that space has a value and it can be increased by having a creative environment. Um, So I will stop here. Uh, Just to say if you're interested to join uh, the World Urban Campaign, uh, we can have a conversation after. Um, the World Urban Campaign is increasing the conversation on all those topics, showcase solution, and essentially we take action and we want to have impact and generate impact with our partners. So here I've put on, uh, on this slide a few uh, key uh, ideas and uh, topic of discussion for this panel. And uh, Mani- Melanie, uh, over to you to continue the debate. Thank you. So just before we go into the three topics, if I can just uh,
0: introduce more formally our other panel members. Um, Right at the end there, we have Sue. Sue, thank you for joining us. Sue Bridge is the president of the Royal Town Planning Institute 2023, a chartered town planner, and experience, much experience,
3: in local government and development.
0: So Sue, if you just want to say hello and introduce yourself.
3: Hello. Um, Thank you very much for inviting me to this panel session. as Melanie said, I've got a lot of experience in local government, in the private sector, working for major house builders. And I also now run my own independent planning consultant. As president uh, this year, uh, my main um, theme is resourcing of the planning system. Without more resources, that is more skills, more planners we, uh, we won't be able to tackle the problems facing us, um, in particularly in cities, but we must also remember the ecological crisis that we face. Thank you. Thank you, Sue.
0: And right next to Sue is Susan Greenfield, World President of the FIABCI, International Real Estate Federation. Susan, if you want to give a little introduction.
1: Thank you very much. Um, it's called Fiopsy. Um, I know it's a little difficult, it's but... We are a federation uh, of many different disciplines of real estate. It's a pleasure to be here. I'll speak a little bit more about that when I have my turn. I've been in real estate for 50 years. Um, I always say 45 plus, but it's 50 years. And uh, clearly I've held many different positions in the industry, from a corporate level all the way working with um, many different important clients. And uh, I have a broad base of real estate experience. And being the elected president this year for Theopsy, world president, um, it's really an honor to represent them. Thank you,
0: Susan. Thanks very much. And last, certainly not least, is Julian Josephs. Uh, Julian is a professor at Georgetown University. Uh, uh, lecturing on the graduate program in their School of Continuing Studies, uh, their global real estate transactions and internship courses. The um, president has had past roles also at FIOPSI um, so we're very glad to have uh, Julian here today to tell us a little bit about global education.
4: Um, yes, I am past world president FIAPSI but my focus since I've been the world president has really been in global real estate education because I teach in the graduate program at Georgetown, as you said, and we are teaching what students want to learn, which is the ESG of real estate. They want to stride out fully equipped with the knowledge of how to get a position in the industry so they can improve the environment globally, not just in the U.S. As you can tell, I'm not quite from the U.S., although I've been there a long time, Um, but, Global education is today about how we can look after the resources of the future. My students take a course um, where I give them a hypothetical $100 million to spend in a country of their choice, and they have to put a portfolio together. And what they do is they have to choose three or four different properties in that country and put together what they expect, what type of return they're looking for, an exit strategy. And then they have $100 million. It's all hypothetical, by the way. Um, $100 million back into the US from that country. So they have to look where those countries have invested, the pension funds, like from France or Germany, have invested in the US, and look at patterns of investment, and then stride forward. But remembering environment is to stay, and it's for tomorrow. And that's what they're trying to put together in their portfolios. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So we had three topics of discussion. I just would like to go through each one of those and maybe just hone in on them a little bit with the panel speakers. So I know, Christina, you covered some of that in your presentation. Um, That first discussion point was for us around addressing and building resilience against multiple crises. Um, obviously, you know, the COVID style type crises, we're all affected by the refugee crises um, and the international conflict refugees, particularly. Um, but we've also got the impending climate refugees, um, and some of the figures that are touted around that in the future are massive uh, and quite frightening. Um, what I'm really interested in, and I know Christina, you did touch on this, is how do we build that resilience? How do we forward think our cities? And what we need to be able to accommodate those and integrate those people into our societies when that actually does effectively occur. So I don't know whether anybody wants to take that one on and give some thoughts around that. I don't know, Christina, have you got anything else to add around what you're doing, your work to build that resilience?
2: I can start by saying, I mean, what the most important is is to start with good planning, urban planning. That's why I'm happy that uh, Royal Town Planning is uh, Association is here, but. Uh, su- the, the, the real estate project need to be looking at the big picture uh, and not to be isolated as projects. So it's really important to to build, you know, um, synergies between the different sectors to work integrated uh, and to work sto- to work towards, you know, integration. Stop uh, working in silos and create, uh, you know, platforms for interaction integration that's really the key word
3: so i think um, my help yes i am on i think um, Christina has um, hit the nail on the head really and planners actually are uniquely placed to uh, work collaboratively across all the built environment disciplines and that is what we are trained to do and that is what we do However, there is an issue about resourcing and we do need more planners, more skills and more awareness of the issues that we face. Um, We have got uh, a lot of difficult things, particularly in the UK, that need to be addressed. The government are looking at the levelling up agenda, which includes a lot of uh, measures to improve urban regeneration. But I think what it is not doing is looking at the existing built environment and adaptation for uh, climate change. And I can say a little bit more about that a bit later, and I think Susan Mm -hmm. wants to say something.
1: Well, I think that um, your question fits right into what Pheopsy is all about, because since 1952, Pheopsy has... Um, been a federation under the umbrella of the OPSI, uh, the, found, the federation. We have over 40 professions that fit into our association. We have architects, developers, construction engineers. Um, attorneys, investors, real estate brokers, property managers, every single aspect of real estate and our industry fits under the umbrella of FEOPSI. And so for the last 70 years, we have met the challenge. From the very beginning, after the war, FEOPSI was founded by five countries and came together to help rebuild Europe. And as a result of that, all of the technical knowledge and aspects of our industry came to be under that umbrella, working together to keep the
0: peace. Collaborating.
1: And today, we do the same thing all over the world, and it gives our members and the real estate professionals who belong to our association an opportunity to help and to build. Right now, we're going through many crises. We've had since... Mm-hmm. Well, uh, since nineteen, uh-huh. I'm trying to remember the. In any case, with the um, current environment and the re- rebuilding of Turkey, for example, and yeah. Syria, we have to be thinking about resilience and sustainability and concern for the future of the, this community and every community with earthquakes. Yeah. So, we are there, and we are. Supportive of the United Nations and helping in our cities to support whatever it is that we can do to be productive and inclusive. With that knowledge, that knowledge of experience. We,
0: Julian, do you have something to add?
4: Um, yeah, I'll try and add a little, but Susan said it very mm. completely. Eloquently. Um, it's really about what we do with the FIABSI universities. The universities are our members. And we try and give them the tools to educate their students. Um, We're lucky enough to have them all there at FIABSI. So it gives us that chance. And our students want to learn. And whether they're in whatever country they're in, they say, we want to go forward, but in an environmentally friendly and uh, satisfactory way. So that's what we're trying to do at FIABSI. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, Thank they're
0: invest- you. investing in their in their futures, aren't they? Um, the second different point uh, that we had up was how do we raise awareness of the, of the value of space itself, quality architecture and planning being key to that? Um, I was having a little think about that um, topic earlier and thinking to myself, well, how do we actually force that change um, for the future? And is that uh, uh, forcing of change around legisl- legislative uh, decisions and is that carrot or is that stick? And in that respect, are we talking CP- a new form of CPO powers, for instance, in respect of stranded assets? Because where does the money come from otherwise? Um, or is it tax relief to incentivise redevelopment? Um, but we have definitely got a burning platform with our existing uh, buildings. Um, and I was just saying to Sue earlier, I went to a session earlier this week, and i probably get the figures completely wrong, but somebody had said that there's 500,000 stranded flats in Paris. Um, all individually owned by people who may not have the money to do anything about it. Um, They are five or six years ahead of us in the UK in terms of the energy efficiency regulations, and it just felt to me that we're sleepwalking in the UK into a little bit of a similar issue. Um, So I I really felt that was something for Sue, maybe from a planning perspective to comment on, um, whether there was anything around legislative um, powers that we could do to sort of get us out of that. That impending doom, really.
3: The um, the levelling up and regeneration bill, which is going through our parliament at the moment, does contain uh, new CPO powers for urban regeneration. But I do not think it covers adequately the issue of adaptation of the existing infrastructure and built environment. And that is an issue that we have to tackle Now the um, government has to publish by the end of this month its roadmap on how we are going to achieve net zero by 2020, 30, 50, and how that is going to work in stages 2025, 2030, how we are actually going to get there. I'm awaiting that, Uh, I think we're all awaiting that because until we see how the government is going to get there and what we have to do to achieve those goals in a properly structured way, it's going to be very difficult for us as, um, as planners to, to drive that change that is necessary. There are things that need to be done. We need much more evidence. We need really good research and looking uh, horizon scanning, looking to what the um, refugee crisis is going to uh, bring us and how that is going to be tackled in in a a proper way what does that mean for our new homes how many do we have to build to accommodate that because with climate change uh, and the climate emergency it's definitely people are going to want to leave those areas that are in in trouble We do have resilience. Julian's already touched on that, so um, I I won't do that. But I will say that the RTPI is a partner of of the World Urban Campaign, and we will be working very closely with them. Also through uh, the Global Planners Network, of which the RTPI is the chair at the moment, and also the Commonwealth Association of Planners, all of whom have got skin in the game. And so, we do need to work very closely um, with the United Nations in order to get a proper roadmap to get in the SDGs. And I accept that we're probably not going to meet them, but we do need to find a way of doing that. Um, there is a, a brochure, uh, Planning is Global. Uh, Victoria Hills, my chief officer, has got um, some copies of it which sets out some of the work that planners are doing, our members are doing around the world, um, particularly uh, on climate change and uh, sustainability issues. And so please, if you're interested, help yourself to a copy of that. Thank you. Susan?
1: Yes, well, I'd like to tell you a little bit about one of the ways that we support um, architecture and uh, design and state-of-the-art construction that uh, leads to a better quality of life for all of us. Um, We have um, an awareness campaign also with architecture. We call it the Prix de Excellence Awards. And every year we have uh, a international competition from around the world. These are designs and uh, completed construction projects are submitted for um, recognition to a panel of uh, expert judges from around the world. And uh, the categories of PRETA Excellence include, for example, environmental category, rehabilitation and conservation, heritage, um, restoration and conservation with heritage, sustainable development category, and many others. So we recognize the importance. Um, architects are a part of PHEOPSI, developers are a part of PHEOPSI, um, construction companies, and All of the private sector comes together to help us all build a better world. And we recognize that every day.
0: Yeah,
4: absolutely, absolutely. Julian? Um, Susan has said a lot of what we would like to say. We're lucky that we've been partners with the UN for so long in trying to do this together. It can't be one organization. We all have to work together. We have to recognise that. We each have our seats at the table with our own members, but together we have to move forward. It can't be each separate body saying, no, we are doing this, I'm sorry, this is what our members want to do. No, it's a team we've got all to work together. And thank you to the UN for pushing this forward for so many years.
0: We could talk about the sort of hard and fast legislative changes, and you're talking a lot about the collaboration, um, and obviously you have to have all of it together to work. Um, but one of the things that interests me, as a lawyer, as a supplier, of services, and advising clients, is the whole uh, conversation around the carbon handprint, um, as opposed to the carbon footprint, and how that can be. So much more valuable in some ways to just uh, us suppliers worrying about our carbon footprint. I think somebody said to me it was 350 times more valuable, um, you know, looking at your carbon handprint and actually taking your responsibility, not just being reactive in how you deliver your services, but actually saying and pushing the agenda to your client saying, have you thought about this or should I introduce you to this person because actually you should be a bit more thoughtful about what you're doing for the future. Um, I think that probably feeds into some of the uh, uh, section on the third discussion point, which is the global real estate education, because, Julian, you're educating the future leaders um, and the people that actually want to invest in their future. Are they very mindful of that responsibility?
4: The answer is, the answer is definitely yes. Um, in fact, they put me to shame because I didn't have real estate education that didn't include that because 10 years, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it wasn't there, now it is. And if we do not bring that to their attention of what they're trying to uh, put together in their thesis, in their proposals, we're not responding. And we have to respond together, not individually, not as single groups. And I think they want to work together. Uh, They are willing to take on tasks that previously we never looked at. And with all the subjects you just said, it's part of their future and part of the education we try and impart, which FIABSI is embedded with. Yeah,
3: Excellent, Thank you. Sue? It is absolutely essential that education covers all of these issues. And I'm seeing from our young planners coming through um, the system now that it, it is at the forefront of their minds. However, that is not enough. We need proper legislation to drive it through because we need a level playing field across the whole of the industry to, for everybody to work off a common platform uh, and that can only be done through legislation.
2: Christina, and then. Yes, I just want to
3: add to that. I
2: mean, what the UN can do, you must be thinking, what is the UN doing here? Um, but precisely, this is... Uh, to play our role as a convener. We work, I mean, the UN is United Nations. Our clients are the governments. So what we do, we bring the partners together to talk to the governments, to lobby governments, to influence governments, to get, you know, change legislation, change the way we do business. What we also do as UN Habitat, we work in 90 countries on the ground, we have projects, we identify potential markets. I was saying we have, up to 2050, we are going to produce 1 billion housing units in the world, at least. Plus, we need to replace the obsolete units. So this is massive business, and we, don't want, we want this to be done right, yeah? We need to create value, we need to create not a uniform uh, real estate production, the same in abu dhabi uh, as london and etc so we cre- we are creating currently uh, sometime a very poor uh, you know um, park of units housing units around the world and this is what we want to avoid so uh, to to create to educate planners into quality architecture quality planning bringing heritage also, not losing heritage. What's happening at the moment, we are losing a sense of place, and place in the world are all going to be the same. So we need to instill a sense of place, we need to keep our heritage to nurture culture, and explain the value of of space, of place, the value that it creates. And it's value also for the real estate. When you create a quality, Uh, development. This is value. People want to live there. So I think to to keep the the heritage, sense of place and instill culture in in space. And UN Habitat, we are the UN agency working on space, the speciality of our development. It is essential. Uh, What we also want is to connect So the the Sustainable Development Goals are about urban poverty, they are about education, they are about gender equality, they are about water, uh, keeping nature, etc. So we want this to be translated at the city level. It's not the responsibility alone of the governments, of the national governments. They are the ones who decided on the Sustainable Development Goal. It is also the responsibility of the private sector. Yeah? for a better world. It is the responsibility of, of mayors, of people. So I think the the realists they need to embrace those goals as well. It's not only business, it's also, it's also connecting to all those development goals and talk to the, have the same language as government also to convince them. That is essential for their own future because if you want to run to have good business, you need to to attract clients who are in demand of those values, yeah? So I think it's, it's really important and that's what we do and that's why uh, we have, you know, partners such as Arcades or uh, Veolia, etc., because they know that they need to build in their business case those values if they want to be sustainable.
0: Thank you. you. Susan, have you got any last words for us?
1: Well, just to to say that um, education is a big priority for FEOPSI, and it's embedded into our strategic plan, the deployment of an inclusive educational policy. And we support that. You know, young people that are under the guidance of our professor and and other educational uh, programs, that's great. They're learning everything. But what about people who've been around a long time and experienced people like myself, for example. We have to be educated too. We're learning also. And this is something that we do on a practical side because thus it's just not going to work if we don't learn as well.
0: Continuing, mm-hmm. yep.
1: okay. continuing, continuing, continuing prof- education. Development. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes.
0: So that's brilliant. Thank you, panel, for, for that session. It was really, really enlightening. And I, I don't know that we've got any time for any questions, really, but, I mean, no, we haven't. <laughs> so I just say thank you very much um, for, for your attendance today, and it was really great. Thank you.